soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And she took care of that grandchild. And from Obed came Jesse. And from Jesse came the great King David. But oh, how bitter it seemed coming back empty-handed from Jordan. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because my life is bitter. Don't end your life like that. Don't let your life end in chapter 2 of Ruth. Let it be chapter 4 with the joy of the baby. And you won't get to see your descendants' descendants, but Jesse, then David, and the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, will come through that offspring. In fact, it's interesting in the wilderness wandering when the Jews came out of Egypt that they came to the place of bitter water. It was called Marah, but that water was made sweet when they added the tree. God said, put the tree in the water, and the water is made sweet. And the tree is always symbolic of Christ, particularly in the Old Testament. Curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus Christ in the law. Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord. She couldn't have children. Her rival mocked her. And in anguish of soul there in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she pours out her heart to the Lord. And Eli's like, what's wrong with you? You've been drinking. And she's like, no, but I've poured out my heart to the Lord and I've been in sorrow and anguish. And then she goes, but I'm at peace now. And through that prayer, she said, if you give me a son, he will serve you. He'll be consecrated to you and he'll be all yours. He won't be my son. He'll be your son. And she had a son and her son's name is Samuel, the prophet, the prophet who ordained the great King David. But she poured out anguish of soul. And then God gave her many more children after that, as if that even mattered after that point. And even John the Baptist himself, when he was imprisoned by Herod, the Tetrarch, in a dark place of discouragement, he said, sent messengers to Jesus and said, are you the one or do we look for another? If the greatest of all prophets can be that disappointed and that disheartened and that discouraged, take comfort. Because in the human experience, I do believe God is very empathetic and very understanding with us when we pour out our hearts, when we're filled with bitterness and heartache and discouraged and despondent and beat down. Those are human emotions that life brings. And all you need is immediate relatives to bring that on co-workers, neighbors, and needless to say, social media, if you're a glutton for punishment. There is no shortages of people, the world system, your flesh, the devil, and the linear movement of looking in the mirror at yourself to find things that will discourage you, dishearten you, and get your mind and your heart off the promises of God. And, And all the promises of God even reaffirm personally by God to you the sand that you walk on, all these things, you can forget it so easily when you focus on what you don't have and what God's not doing instead of what you do have and what God is doing. But I think we can really relate to this. I'm very comforted by Abram, the father of faith, saying, what are you going to give me? 
I'm, I'm trying to hang on to these promises, but it's, it's a little tough right now. And then we see here in verse 4, so that human experience, the discouragement, you know, don't beat yourself up. Get your eyes back on the Lord. And the Lord said to him, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, verse 4, and this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then God takes him outside and says, Look at all the stars. If you could count those, so shall your descendants be. So he already showed them all, all that's uh, terrestrial. Hey, everywhere you walk, terrestrial, the earth. Yeah, the sand. Yeah, well, now let's go celestial. We're upgrading the promise. It's an upgrade. You know, like your phone gets an upgrade. Oh, I got an upgrade. You hit the upgrade, and then it's like everything looks different, right? Everything's different. It's like, oh, I got an upgrade. I just did it last week, so I know it looks like everything looks different. Yeah. Plus, you can't see, you can't see right without your glasses when you're almost 60. Anyways, so you're like, oh, my phone looks different. What? Hey, Luke, what's going on with my phone? So, you know, it's like it's an upgrade. The promise got an upgrade. Walk the land and the soil, your descendants. Hey, upgrade. Look up all these stars, and I'd rather look up. If you could number them, your descendants would be more than that. And by the way, all the promises of God are yes, yes, and they're an upgrade because they're yes and amen. Amen, might as well just say upgrade. We're going from glory to glory. And this brings an interesting thought to me for application for us tonight. Now, there's a universal application for all the promises of God when we give our life to Jesus Christ. When we pass from death to life and we ask Christ to forgive us and come into our life, we, we pass from in Adam to being in Christ. And we pass from condemnation to justification, from hell to heaven, from darkness to light. And it's it, we're a new creation, as it says in 2 Corinthians. And these promises contextually Absolutely, for the church and in principle, certain promises of the Old Testament, because God's the same yesterday and today and forever, they're ours. So you go from having nothing in the eternal kingdom and nothing in the realm of the spirit to having everything. Because in Christ, we have all things. So tonight, there's a universality, if that's such a word, that for each one of us born of the spirit, those promises of God for the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years, they're ours. As there were Fanny Crosby's, you know, playing music as she was blind for the deal, for deal Moody and the Crusades in the 1800s in Chicago and everywhere else and going to England and all the songs she wrote. And it, they were her promises then and they're our promises now. Even as there were Marie Taylor's before she died in service to the Lord, she got sick and China, Hudson's first wife that he loved so much, and she was raised in China. Her parents died in China. It's an incredible love story, her and Hudson. The same promises that were hers and George Mueller's and all those kids that came to Christ through his orphanages that he had there in Bristol. The same promises, they're ours tonight. And when we step into eternity... And we pass the baton to the next generation of the church. It will be their promises too. And so we speak and we pray the promises of God over our lives, the people we love, our children, and our children's children. Because he's the same yesterday and forever. But the thing that gets my attention here with Abram is how personal God is with him. Because these are personal promises to Abram. Which brings up another thought. We have this common denominator of the promises of God applying to brothers and sisters in Christ, 
sons and daughters of the king. Romans 8, Abba Father, we're joint heirs with Christ, we're in the trust, we're in the estate. But he has personal promises for each one of us. In the sense that his word, as it, we read his word and take it in, he'll speak to us from his word what he wants to do through his word and through our lives. In other words, because we're in a relationship, not religion, but relationship, God speaks to us from his word, and he'll impress things on our heart. He'll lead us by his word, and then he'll confirm it through affirmation of his word, maybe this sign, this vision, this thought, something someone said, something you saw. But it's a a fine-tuned frequency to receive those promises personally. If you're carnal, you won't hear them. If you're indifferent, for the, Jesus himself said, many are called, but few are chosen. If you don't make time for the Lord, you're not going to learn the frequency and how to hear and recognize the voice of the Lord. And what voice is more important than hearing the voice of the Lord, by the way? To hear the frequency. Hmm. Now, sometimes things are very practical in how he gives us a promise for your life. And sometimes things are very supernatural. I don't tell the story often, but, you know, my whole life was to win the Pipeline Masters as a surfer. My whole life was driven by one goal when I was still top 20 in the world at the age of 24, but I was going to be leaving the Pro Tour, and I'd let that dream go. And the night before the Pipe Masters that I won, December 16th, 1984, I had a dream where I won the Pipe Masters. And there were so many details in that dream. In that dream, I won it. And in that dream, I was paddling out, and my friend and rival, Derek Ho, was in a big barrel coming at me. And right when he was coming out, the wave exploded on him, and he didn't make it. And in that dream, I picked up the Honolulu Advertiser, and there was a picture of me dropping in a pipe line that says, Joy Brand wins the Pipe Masters. I mean, it was the best dream, because that was my whole life. And I woke up, and I was like, oh, man, it was just a dream. But then I thought, it was a really good dream. And, you know, being Catholic and believing in God, I'm like, maybe it's a sign. Like how I thought, like, maybe it's a sign. Well, in the final of the Pipe Masters, this is when they didn't have computer scoring, so you had to kind of guess if you were winning or losing. I thought, I might be winning. It was a one-hour final. And I remember... I just got a really good wave and I was pounding back out and Derek Ho was in the barrel and he got blown up exactly like my dream and I thought, my God, I'm going to win the Pipe Masters. This is my dream. This is my dream. I'm going to win the Pipe Masters. I'm looking at Tom Carroll and the guy's like, (laughs) you know, it's like, I'm going to win the Pipe Masters. That's my dream. God showed me what he was going to do before he did it in a dream, just like the first two chapters of Matthew. Now, of course, you know the story. They come and take the trophy away. It rains. Everyone leaves. And I end up on the beach by myself in a pouring rainstorm less than one hour after this. And if any man drinks from this well, they'll thirst again. And God let me have my dream. And then there was nobody on the beach, a pouring rain squall, just me and my boards. I'm like, this just cannot be happening. I'm the only pipe master champion that didn't get a trophy. That's the year they didn't have a trophy. They had the perpetual trophy. They took pictures of it with me, me with it, and then it rained. They took it back. And it's crazy. Oh, this is crazy. 
Like this dream just went really kind of weird. And yet to this day, that's part of who I am is that story. To this day, me winning the pipe masters and then them taking the trophy away, that's my testimony. You'll hear old stories of old studies with Pastor Brian Burson or Chuck Smith or others alluding to that story because I shared that story in the movie Sunriders, which was a very popular movie in the 80s in witnessing and winning people to Christ, a Christian surf movie. And people still come up to me, do you ever get your trophy? Luke was over at Edison recruiting for Grand Canyon University and one of the teachers was like, Joey Brand, the California kid, first California win the Pipe Masters. See, when I won, it's like they all won. And then when they took the trophy away, it gives me that testimony with everybody. To this day, that is my testimony. Corrie Tim Boom said she had the same story that she told for 40 years. Hers is much better than mine, but I will tell you, drink from this water, you'll thirst again. And God let me have that moment. And then he took it so fast. He showed me the moment, then he took it, and then he's used it for 31 years plus since. And I shut up because he is personally involved in our lives. I am nothing. Well, I'm your pastor. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, uh, like, you know, there's, it's just like, there's, I'm just a kid that couldn't sit still in school and wouldn't get sent to the Catholic school because my mom said the nuns would beat me. I mean, I'm, I'm just that guy. Like, I'm the kid you didn't want in your classroom. There's just, it's God's grace and mercy. But he is personal, and he does make personal promises. And when I prayed for a prayer request that someone gave me for a Calvary Chapel on Virginia Beach, the moment I prayed, he said, you're the person, 1988. He said, you're the person. I mean, you know the frequency. You're the person. I'm like, I'm called to Virginia Beach. See, we need to know the frequency, and we need to know the promises, so when God speaks them to you, and if you go through the Bible, you just get them over and over, and they're yours. Affirm those promises. Meditate upon those promises. And I dare say, claim those promises. Hey, if my kids got to claim my trust, our trust for them, they can go to any law office, and there it is in the trust, and they can claim it. It's right there. It's got the seals, it's got the notaries, and those are, those are, that's, a, that's a trust and that's an inheritance they can claim. It's legally, rightfully theirs. And God tells us his promises are our claim, legally and rightfully, as his children. Because the moment we get saved and we give our life to Christ, we come into the estate. And we are joint heirs with Christ. And Abba Father wants to direct our lives and he wants to speak to us personally, his promises into our lives to help us fulfill the purposes and the plans and the calling of our lives. To this point, Abram's responsibility has been to go, to leave, leave, go, and to believe. He hasn't really had... Now, he hasn't, doesn't have a son yet, but it's leave and believe. That's what we have so far with Abram. So far, this father of faith with his amazing wife, Sarah, it's leave and believe. Which brings us to our final application. But don't miss those promises. Meditate on his word. Write them in your journal. Write them down. My wife writes her Bible studies on these white tablets like you get at Staples or whatever. I've got a bin full of them. I've kept my wife's devotions, all of her Bibles, everything. I've kept all my Bibles, not all my devotion notes. But I got smarter. I got like a, a school ledger one. And now I put like your, your Christmas cards, they're in there. I tape them in there. 
Sometimes I go to the chiropractor. I put the business card. I tape it in there, my devotion. Yep, there we go, L5. Thank you, Jesus. Let the reader understand. Sometimes when we go to the movie, I'll save it. Yep, there we go, went to this movie. You know, Star Wars or whatever. It was the family. We were together. It was a special moment. I put it in my journal. It's going to be easier to follow my life in recent years because it's all there. But I write what God's speaking to me. I write what God's speaking to me, and it's there. I write those promises. I'm reading Proverbs about half a chapter a morning. I, I write the application. I'm underlining. Write it down. Meditate upon it. Blessed is the man or woman who meditates on the law of the Lord. And they, their delight is in his word. For they'll be fruitful like the tree by the river. And they'll bring forth their fruit in season. You want to be, we want to be women and men who are walking as children of the king. Understanding the promises as a whole for our joint heirs. But understanding them for us. Because it's easy for us to think about the promises applying to Pastor Chuck or Pastor Brian Borson or Greg Laurie. But you need to apply them to you because they apply to you in your life. There are no superhumans. We're all saved by grace. And so I encourage you. Hear God speak and let God speak and receive what he's speaking. His promises into your life for your circumstances in your situations. Because when you come to what you don't know, which is a lot of the human experience, you fall back on what you do know, which is every promise of God is yes, yes, and amen. Now, the last thing is this famous verse where it says in verse 6, and he believed the Lord. So he got the promise upgrade, and he believed the Lord. And he, that is the Lord, accounted to Abram as righteousness. He believed the Lord. It's twofold. He believed what God said, and he accounted him for righteousness. Now, again, I'll use my own children and estate. They know they're in our trust and in our estate. They don't ask to look at the estate. They know they're in the estate. We say we've taken care of them. We've done this and that. Like, they know. Our kids, one thing as parents is super important, and I think most of you parents know this. It is really, really of the highest importance in life in general, that your yes is yes and your no is no. But particularly with children and particularly for the dads. Because our Heavenly Father is yes and yes, but not yes and no. And it's so important that when you speak something for your children, that you follow through on that. And you fulfill that and you keep that. And if for some reason you can't because it's out of your control, let it be a learning experience by which you can grow. But the man or woman who goes through this journey for 80 years and their word is golden, what is more golden than your word being credible? Because people can trust your word at work. They can trust your word in the neighborhood. They can trust your word at church. They can trust your word in the family gatherings. Oh, you get one chance to have your words be golden and valid. And how easily people give away the credibility of their words. And they're lost. We're not perfect. But we want to keep our word. Because God keeps his word. And Abram knew he could trust God. And he simply believed the promise. Affirmed again. He believed it. That's the only thing he's done so far. Leave and believe. And he believes it. So what God really would have us learn tonight from the lesson of Abram is to believe it. 
to believe that he who promised is able. We think who's making the promise? Their character. God is light and him is no darkness at all. So he even swears by his own name to set the deal straight for us. Because it's impossible for God to lie. It is not in his nature. He cannot lie. You and I, we can lie and we can be deceitful. It is impossible for God to lie because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So he's not going to lie. All the promises are yes and yes. Or he says no and no, but he doesn't say yes and no. God is light and him is no darkness at all. And when he makes promises to us, he keeps them. And we can trust them. And we can believe them. Every one of them. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. So believe those promises. Stand in those promises. Rest in those promises. Whatever comes our way. Because again, we come to things that we don't know. We fall back on what we do know. And it's God who makes the promise. He has the power to keep those promises. So his promises to us in Jesus Christ cannot be usurped by any force or entity in the universe. They're absolute. You can build your, well, he's the cornerstone. So he's the chief cornerstone. So we build our lives on him. He's our firm foundation. And if our lives are built personally, morally, ethically, integrity, the marriages, the children, the the raising of children, the standards, how we carry ourselves at work and in the community. If we're built on Jesus Christ, his word is going to be the final authority. No one usurps his word and can, no one, there's no force in the universe that can come against this word and change it and make it not applicable to our lives. And therefore, like Abram, we should believe God. Just believe God. It is not the ability of what God's going to do through us. It's our availability to let him do it through us as we leave and believe. Or we believe and cleave, however you want to look at it. But he wants us to trust him. Parents, you know you want your children to trust you. You've ever had that thing where you say to your children, am I for you or against you? Do you believe I'm for you or against you? Well, of course you're for us. And so when we, they say, they know, they acknowledge that we're for us, we want them to trust us. Son, daughter, I'm trying to help you right here. Cleave and believe. Abraham believed God. That's how we're saved. What must we do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. We're told in the book of Acts. To believe. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved, we're told in Romans chapter 10. And as we simply believe God's word, who his character can be trusted and his power to see it through can be trusted, and we pass from death to life through faith in Jesus, we can trust him with all things. He imputes to us and reckons to us righteousness because we believe in him. We're declared righteous not because we're great people or good people or morally straight. We're declared righteous because we believe his promises. And we pass from death to life and we're declared righteous. And we're in the trust, we're in the estate. And then that righteousness works itself out as it's the availability by trusting in the Lord as we go through this journey. This verse is quoted three times in the New Testament. Romans chapter 4 
justification by faith. Galatians chapter 3, justification by faith. And then in the book of James chapter 2, faith that's not dead. So I leave you at that tonight, worship generation. The faith of Abram, that he believed God, was accounting for righteousness. That faith will prove itself in the coming chapters. That it wasn't a superficial, frivolous faith. But he truly, truly trusted in the character and the power of God. Because in chapter 22, he's going to go to Mount Moriah to offer up his son in obedience to the Lord. But as he left from Mount Moriah, he said to his servants, the boy and I go yonder to worship, and we will return. He was trusting in the character of God and the power of God. And we're told in Hebrews 11 that when he went up there, he knew that God was able to raise his son from the grave. So take heart, WG. Have faith, trust, believe, cling, hold fast to the Lord, and let those promises be yours. And of all things you can meditate on and all things you can let influence your life, what could be greater than the promises of God? You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.